Good morning. I'm Susan Marcinkus, your worship associate today. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeter today is Rachel Dominguez. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our assistant director of music, Dave Robbins. If you would like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. You'll find the link right next to the Zoom and the YouTube links. We're also posting the link in the Zoom chat now. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you like and anything you'd like us to know about you. We're glad that you're all here. If you're not yet on our mailing list and would like to join, to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve, and grow, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org, right beneath the link to download the order of service. Be posting that link in the Zoom chat now also. If you're ready to make a formal commitment by joining the congregation, the membership book will be open for signing virtually today following the service. If you have completed the starting point or pathways to membership, sessions one and two, are transferring from, from another UU congregation, or are a young person who has completed the coming of age class, we welcome you to announce your interest in signing when prompted towards the end of the service, and you'll be added to a special breakout group to sign and signify your commitment to WUU. We're excited that next Sunday is our water communion service. From 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. this Thursday, all are welcome to come to the WUU campus and drop off water from a place that's special to you. It'll be gathered in a common vessel to represent the gathered community and the life we share. Austin Peterson, Director of Religious Education, will be there to greet you on Wednesday the night from 4 to 6 p.m. Reverend Laura will be there on Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. But you can come by anytime. Just look for the table set up right outside the main doors. Families who have signed up for religious education kits can pick them up there too. Our prelude today is a popular song from 1949 called Lucky Old Son by two white American musicians, Beasley Smith, a big band composer from Tennessee, wrote the music, Avon Gillespie, a songwriter from Kentucky, wrote the words. You might know the Bob Dylan cover version. Today our own Dave Robbins plays this song to honor workers everywhere on this Labor Day weekend.
really lovely. And everyone again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here. Even if you are joining by phone and we cannot see you physically. If you are a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now I invite you to, to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted in the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come, come, whoever you are, Whatever well, welcome back, everybody. So good to be together. Welcome to September. This is our month when we ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a people of renewal in these times? a people of renewal, a people seeking that which truly refreshes and renews ourselves and the communities of which we are a part. And as we take up this question, which will be with us all month long, I offer some words of encouragement and invitation by Wayne Muller. He's a white minister and therapist from Santa Fe, New Mexico. When we live without listening to the timing of things, when we live and work in 24-hour shifts without rest, 
We are on wartime, mobilized for battle. Yes, we are strong and capable people. We can work without stopping faster and faster. Electric lights making artificial days so the whole machine can labor without ceasing. But remember, no living thing lives like this. There are greater rhythms, seasons and hormonal cycles and sunsets and moonrises and great movements of sea and stars. We are part of the creation story, subject to all its laws and rhythms. In this spirit, let us open ourselves to renewal and let us worship together. Now please join me in saying the words to light our chalice as we highlight Jonathan Newby, the leader of our UU circle at William and Mary. If you have a chalice or a candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. And again, we'll unmute you to say the words in unison. We light this chalice So this is a time of year that we traditionally bless backpacks for all of us that are returning to school, many kinds of school. On Tuesday, many of our kids and teachers will be going back to school online. We've never had a back to school moment quite like this one. Many others continue to learn, work, and connect from home more than ever before using phones, tablets, computers, so today, instead of doing a blessing of the backpacks, we're going to bless our laptops and other devices. If your device is easily within reach, I invite you to grab it. Your phone, your laptop, your tablet, whatever you might use to connect to others during this time of COVID-19. Hold the device in your hands or lay your hands on it. I invite you to ground yourself in your chair. Feel the weight of your body on the chair. Feel your feet root into the earth and allow your gaze to become soft. Close your eyes if you are comfortable. Breathe in. Breathing in, feel the connection to your fellow Unitarian Universalists. Breathe out. Breathing out, thank your device for the connection to the community. Breathe in. Breathing in, cast your mind back to the generations of Universalists and Unitarians who met difficult times and kept going. Breathe out. Breathing out, thank your device for helping you meet difficult times and keep going. Breathe in. Breathing in, feel your hands 
and feel in your hands the power to bless. Breathe out, breathing out, bless your own device. Know that this power to bless is a breath away and always available to you. You are sacred and that energy runs through your hands, through the hands of all Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists gathered here on Zoom, on live stream, and around the country. You are part of that interdependent network, the interdependent web of all existence. We are better as a group because of you, because of your blessings. I invite you back into this space with open eyes and open hearts. As a token of this power, this interconnectedness, Reverend Laura, Rachel McCabe, and I have made stickers for you. Everyone at WUU is invited to come pick up one of these stickers at the WUU campus anytime this week from 3 p.m. today through 6 p.m. on Thursday. Or if you can't make it, just let us know and we will happily mail you one. The quote on these stickers says, we need not think alike to love alike. I'll repeat that. We need not think alike to love alike. Hearkening back to the 1550s when Francis David said very similar words. Know that our differences make us stronger. As computer geeks say, differences are a feature, not a bug. Whenever you may feel tempted towards doubt or division, you have this sticker to remind you of the power of blessing in your very own hands. May you go forth to love and to bless much. Blessed be. Thank you, Austin. I hope that everybody will come by if you can to campus this week to pick up a sticker. And don't forget to drop off your water communion water. It, um, I've stopped by campus um, just a couple times recently and I gotta say it feels so, so good. So I hope you can make it. I hope you can be part of this weaving our web of connections. And now I invite you to join in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer. And I want to offer this Labor Day prayer by Amanda Udis Kessler. She's a white songwriter from Colorado. On Labor Day, we honor our work, physical and mental, paid and unpaid, joyous and heartbreaking. We give thanks for work's gifts suffer its difficulties, and strive to make labor just and joyous for all. Our work can build our society, provide for our material needs, and give our life meaning. Our work can damage our society and the planet, can fail to sustain our material needs, and be meaningless. Our work can help heal the world, help us understand who we are and keep us safe. Our work can harm the world, demean us, and expose us to danger. 
our work can fill our days with accomplishments and our lives with stories. Our work can dissatisfy and alienate us. We may not be able to find enough work or any work. So may we join together to create work that blesses us, all people, and the planet. And may this be so for everyone, not only those who do paid work, but students, retired people, and everyone on this earth. Today we have come also to lift up so many joys and sorrows that are here in our community, in our world. We continue to hold all who have been harmed by the twin pandemics of COVID-19 and racial violence. Especially today, we hold in love the family of Daniel Prude. We pray for justice in Rochester and everywhere in this land. And always, we ask for wisdom and integrity for our leaders and courage and hope for all of us. On this day, I'm happy to share some personal good news here in our congregation. WU member Teresa Gray, who you heard was having surgery, has come through well and is now recovering. We're glad to celebrate that. And so this is the time when I invite you, if you are on Zoom, to share in the chat those that you would like to lift up, perhaps people with joys in their hearts and perhaps those who are struggling. Who is in your heart today? All these loved ones, both named and held in our hearts. I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations for all of these and for all that is in your heart. We are one, we are many, we are one. May it be so, amen, and blessed be. Our centering hymn today is by the American Jewish composer, Linda Hirshhorn. She says this, 
Songs should give wings to our prayers. Songs should give color to our grief and joy. Songs should express the depths of our greatest yearnings. I hope you will sing along wherever you are. Circle round for freedom. Circle round for peace. For all of us imprisoned, circle for release. Circle for the planet, circle for each soul. For the children of our children, keep the circle whole. Circle round for freedom, circle round for peace. For all of us imprisoned, circle for release. Circle for the planet, circle for each soul. For the children of our children, keep the circle whole. Circle round for freedom, circle round for peace. For all of us imprisoned, circle for release. Circle for the planet, circle for each soul. For the children of our children, keep the circle whole. Thank you, Dave. Last week, we completed our summer series of From the Heart Reflections by WUU members on racial justice. Today, we begin a new series on civic engagement, which will continue most Sundays through the November election. And we kick off the series today with WUU member Natalie Miller-Moore. Thank you, Natalie. Good morning, everybody. So we are gearing up to talk about the power of voting and civic engagement. And my impression is that as a congregation and as a denomination, we, that we UUs are quite good at this. We know why and we know how. We're vocal and sometimes pushy. As they say, sorry, not sorry. It's important to participate in democracy like we participate in our congregational life. People should have a say that in the things that affect them. And our principles actually say, we believe that everyone should have a vote about the things that concern them. Voting though is only the first step. It's simple and it's a start. There is so much more to do though. From a personal perspective, um, due to my father's political interest, I started canvassing at the age of, seven, at the age of six for Jesse Jackson's first presidential run in 1984. But for years after that, for judges and city council candidates, for bailiffs and Congress, I went door to door for blocks and blocks delivering door hangers and postcards. I walked in parades and I went to pancake breakfasts. What I didn't know as a child was that my parents were offering a model of purpose for me. One where we help do what we can because we have an obligation to participate. Lots and lots of volunteer hours go into making the election process work. We made time, even with my parents both working shifts at the hospitals, and I'm the oldest of four children. So taking us out as a family to engage in the political process was quite a commitment. Since then, I've written and called my legislators. 
my professional work has taken me to Richmond and the General Assembly, and I've gotten more involved in political leadership. I visited many more offices at the General Assembly, and I even know my way around. That means when it's time for me to talk about personal causes, I'm more prepared. But more importantly, I know that I have a right to have my voice heard. I'm not bothering anyone. I'm a constituent. So I enjoy blending my personal priorities and my professional skills. I have had friends run for office and hosted fundraisers at my house. I've helped draft appeal letters and review YouTube videos and speeches. I've done training for candidates about publicity and dealing with the media. These are skills, but also things that I enjoy, extroverted service at its best. This is not to say that anyone else should do what I do. I think there's a role for everyone. As they say, you don't have to do everything, but you should do the things you can do. All of my own activities have helped me set some parameters. I rarely canvas, as I feel I put in my time a long time ago, many, many years between six and 18. And I feel that my, I found it very frustrating. So I let that go and recognize that my skills are better suited to other things. I'm good at figuring out how and who to invite to fundraisers, but not to catering them. I don't like to call, but I will if it's urgent. I don't wanna manage campaigns, but I love to help with the speech writing. There are many invisible parts and sometimes being the person who remembers to bring snacks and water to the election tents makes a big difference in supporting those who are doing what they feel called to do. My advice is to find the ways that work for you and do those well. Civic engagement is how we express our values, our UU values and our personal values. We show up, we ask, we speak from the heart. These are the things that create change. I've seen our congregation work on social justice issues, including trying to defeat the Marshall Newman Amendment in 2006. It's not always easy, sometimes we've been ahead of the curve, but I don't want us to be discouraged. History teaches us that we're in it for the long haul. Stick with it even when the causes you care about don't win the day. You are learning those for engagement for later. And I will also caution that we have patience for cycles. Take time to rest and regroup in between elections. Think about what brings you joy and energy and don't overlook the small things. Do self-care in the way that you need to and when you are ready, only say yes to the things that work for you and have an impact because together we can do more. So in addition to sharing a little bit about my background, I'm here to offer some ways that we can be more engaged leading up to the election. And I'm helping with the um, you, you, the vote effort that's nationwide, but also there is a Unitarian Universalist social justice workshop that I'm facilitating called Storytelling for Advocacy, which is on October 10th, focused on how you can find the right personal story to share with elected officials, to use in letter writing campaigns and at live events or Zoom events. I will post the link in the chat. I'm also working with Jody Fizzler to work on UU the Vote, and Virginia is a focused state for that national effort. There are things like phone banks with tutorials, um, including one tomorrow at 5 p.m. and at frequent intervals. There, there are events on Zoom, such as postcards with a purpose, and there are a number of webinars, resources, and a blog on uuthevote.org. 
So I, there are a great deal of things to do, and I encourage you to take advantage of the ones that work for you. And find the one thing that you can commit to do in September, October, and November, and keep it going. So if you are not on Zoom, the websites are uuthevote.org, and the advocacy workshop is, can be found at uusj.org under events. So thank you all for your time, your energy, your effort, and I know that it is time and energy consuming, but this is really important work to share our values with the world and really affect change. So thank you for listening to me, and please be in touch if there's something you would like to do and I can help direct you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Natalie. That was really, really helpful. First reading today is by the American Catholic writer, activist, and mystic Thomas Merton, one of the most influential spiritual leaders of the 20th century. It comes from his book, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander, who was published in 1968, the year he died. Here's an image of him with the Dalai Lama, also taken in 1968. We can have that slide. There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs, activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps of the most the common form, most common form of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away with a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything, is to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Thanks, Susan. Our second reading today was published just a couple of months ago. It's by the Black American theologian and activist, Tricia Hersey. You might've heard of her NAP ministry movement which lifts up rest as a radical tool for community healing. We'll share a photo of Trisha Hersey now, and we're gonna leave it up while I read her words. This comes from her article, The Time to Rest is Now. My maternal grandmother, Aura, taught me about radical care. I used to watch my grandmother as she sat on her plastic-covered yellow couch where she meditated for 30 minutes every single day. She magically raised nine children while working a job as an essential worker in a psychiatric hospital in Chicago, dodging poverty, racism, and the invisibility of being a Black woman in America. Her commitment to resting her eyes every day for 30 minutes was radical. Her ability to demand space to just be 
was a form of resistance. Whenever I would ask her if she was sleeping, her response was always the same. Every shut eye ain't sleep. I am resting my eyes and listening for what God wants to tell me. While all the world around her was attempting to crush her spirit, she rested and resisted the beast of grind culture. She taught my mother to rest. She taught me to rest. And now I am teaching hundreds of thousands to embrace rest as a way to make us all more human. Rest is resistance because it disrupts and pushes back against capitalism and white supremacy. Both toxic systems refuse to see the inherent divinity in human beings. Rest is resistance because it disrupts the lie that we are not doing enough. It screams, no, that is a lie. I am enough. I am worthy now and always because I am here. Rest is a healing portal to our deepest selves. When your worth has been falsely tied to how much you produce, resting becomes an act of resistance. Thanks, Reverend Laura. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and to share our values. If you are joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence is gift enough. Today's offering goes to the General Operating Fund, which supports just about everything we do. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. And I'll repeat that, area code 757-500-0688 and follow the prompts from there. If you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia, 23185. And we thank you so much. Our offertory music is by the white American singer-songwriter Phil Oakes, who wrote hundreds of songs about justice in the 1960s. The title, There But For Fortune, is performed by Dave Robbins.
Thank you, Dave. Thanks so much for, for helping us make music together. So I want to start off with a story today. This is a true story. It's about one of our Unitarian Universalist ancestors, Thomas Starr King. You might have heard his name before. Our UU Seminary in Berkeley, California is named after him. Thomas Starr King was a white third generation American. His grandfather had emigrated from Germany. His dad was a universalist preacher who served congregations all around New England. And Thomas Starr King followed in his dad's footsteps and became one of the most famous preachers of his generation. This is back in the early 19th century, early to mid. He was a very small person physically, and he had one of those faces that made him look like a teenager when he was in his 30s. He was like, I'm going to date myself, but he was kind of the Ralph Macchio of his generation, if that rings a bell. But when he opened his mouth, people listened. He once joked, though I weigh only 120 pounds, when I am mad, I weigh a ton. So that was Thomas Starr King. After 13 years of ministry in Boston, serving both Universalist and Unitarian congregations, he accepted a call to serve a congregation 3,000 miles away in San Francisco. That was in 1860. And when he got there, almost immediately, he plunged into anti-slavery activism in California. As the Civil War was breaking out, he lectured and campaigned for anti-slavery political candidates all over Northern California, including in some pretty conservative towns in the foothills. And he managed to shift public opinion enough that Californians that year elected an anti-slavery majority in the state legislature. The commander of the Union Army, General Winfield Scott, is on record as saying Thomas Starr King saved California for the Union. Thomas Starr King kept going. After the election, he fundraised for the U.S. Sanitary Commission, which was responsible for medical care for Union soldiers. He was so effective that Californians ended up donating a full 25% of all the money raised throughout the entire country. But Thomas Starr King's efforts came at great personal cost. By 1864, he was depleted and exhausted. Sadly, he came down with diphtheria and his body couldn't fight it off. Thomas Starr King died at age 40. He was a hero, but it cost him enormously. And I've been thinking about Thomas Starr King's story on this Labor Day weekend, this weekend that commemorates the efforts of so many generations of working people to limit the hours people could be forced to work to protect their health and their well being and, and their joy. And on this Labor Day Sunday in particular, with less than two months to go until what many of us believe is the most important national election in our lives. Nobody forced Thomas Starking to work himself to death. He did not mean to either. It was a byproduct of his fierce commitment to doing what he believed to be right in the most important political season of his lifetime. But still, it happened, and his story haunts me enough 
that I think we would do well to reflect on how we here today can fully engage in this critical moment of our life together, but not in ways that do violence to ourselves. I know that I myself have been struggling lately with a feeling of, of panic every time I read the political news or think about the election. There's so much at stake. I, I don't have to tell you, but let's just briefly recap. We have had three and a half long years of lies, of corruption, race baiting and violence, immigrant bashing, families separated, deliberate division and hatred for personal gain, and a turn toward autocracy that both scares and enrages me. I am so longing for decency in our government, for empathy, for real help for people who are struggling, and some attempt to bring this country together, not to mention a helpful response to this pandemic, which has taken so much from us. But for now, it seems that every day brings some new outrageousness. And I'm noticing that the closer we get to the election, the more I feel afraid, tense, and panicky. It's getting worse, and I wonder if it's like that for you too. You know, part of me wants to just go be a hermit or something, like don't wake me until it's over. But I know, I know that's not what we need right now. So what I want to offer you today is a very simple spiritual practice to help us stay present to what's happening in our world without getting overwhelmed by it. To find relief from the storm of outrage, fear, and anxiety without having to tune out and to act in ways that are both helpful and right for us. So before I, we get there, I, I want to ground us in the readings for today by Thomas Merton and Tricia Hersey. So I'll start with Thomas Merton. I want to get his words fresh in our ears again. So here again, this is what he says. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. I wonder if this sounds familiar to you. My own experience is that the flood of news and social media posts and emails amplifying the latest horror and telling me things like, your support is urgently needed, act now. That has been almost nonstop. I have felt myself getting more and more sucked into that cycle of outrage and anxiety and, and noise, like everything is important and urgent, but it is so overwhelming that I can't seem to get organized to actually do anything about it. And of course, pandemic brain doesn't make any of this easier, right? Thomas Merton tells us, when we let ourselves get carried away like this, we need to return to what he calls the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. So let's hang on to that. In our second reading, Tricia Hersey 
agrees with Merton that we all need to make space to rest, to detach for a while from the voices outside us and listen for that root of inner wisdom. Her model for how to do this was her grandmother who every day would close her eyes for half an hour as she told her granddaughter, I am resting my eyes and listening for what God wants to tell me. Another way of listening for deep wisdom. Like Thomas Merton, Trisha Hersey names as violence, the pressures on us not to take that time to rest and listen. Thomas Merton was a monk vowed to silence and contemplation. And if he found it hard to practice rest and listening, how much harder must, must it have been for Tricia Hersey's grandmother, who raised nine children and held down a difficult job in a racist world that tried to tell her her only value lay in working for the benefit of others. I want to quote Tricia Hersey for you once again. She says, rest is resistance because it disrupts the lie that we are not doing enough. It screams, no, that is a lie. I am enough. I am worthy now and always because I am here. What a healing message for people who have been taught to believe their worth is contingent on their continuing to produce and produce and produce. It reminds me of our own universalist tradition that tells us you are always loved just because you are, just because you are here. It's such an important addition to the Unitarian side of our tradition that encourages us to do our best. And as our own WUU covenant says, to try to live morally. So should we try to live morally, to serve our world, to save our country? Yes, and yes, and yes. And are we still precious in the eyes of love if we need to detach for a while and rest and recalibrate and listen to the wisdom inside us when we are tired and heartsick and scared? Yes, and yes, and yes. It is such a balance, isn't it? So here's the practice that I want to offer you that has helped me over and over again when I need to find that balance. Every day, as Trisha Hersey's grandmother did, as many of you do already, I encourage you to set aside a few minutes of quiet for yourself. Even five minutes, if that's all you have, more is great, but five minutes will work. Decide when is the easiest time for you and take that time every day. I find personally, I literally have to put it on my calendar so that I really show up for it. But find a time every day when you can be quiet for just a little bit. So once you're at your quiet time, what do you do with this five minutes or more? The main thing is to find some sense of spaciousness inside. And there are so many ways to do that. You can try just breathing, literally just breathing and watching yourself breathe. 
sometimes it's helpful to do a body scan, letting your inner attention go from head to toe and breathe into anywhere that feels tight or painful. You could put your hand on your heart and breathe into your heart. And you can imagine yourself letting go of anything in you that is not serving you, any energy, any thought that is not serving you. You don't have to force it. Just let everything slip away into the ground that can receive it. These days, there is so much going on. I try to do that twice a day. I literally have a reminder set up on my phone. It goes off twice a day and tells me it's time to clear out whatever energy is not helpful right now. So that's one thing you can do. Or it might be for you, you might want to journal. Just write about your day. Let yourself go stream of consciousness. No censoring. Just write and see what comes out. That's a great way of finding quiet and wisdom for yourself. Some of you already have your own meditation or prayer practices. There is no, there is no wrong way to do this. Whatever helps you feel that sense of inner spaciousness and peace. And towards the end of that quiet time each day, you can ask that spacious place inside you for whatever help or advice you might need. So you might ask, what am I supposed to be doing right now? What is my contribution to the world right now? Or whatever it is that you have on your mind or your heart, just ask and then listen. You might hear back a, a word or a phrase, maybe an image, maybe just a sense or a nudge. And if you don't hear anything, that's okay. You can always try again. And just know that the practice of calming and being quiet will help you in ways both profound and subtle. As Tricia Hersey says, taking this time to rest and reflect is a healing portal to our deepest selves, to Merton's root of inner wisdom that makes work fruitful. May this practice of restful listening be a balm to your tired spirit, and may the wisdom that finds you there lead you to actions that will bless and save our world. Peace and blessings to each one of you. May it be so. Amen. We're going to close today with an old labor song that came out of the women's suffrage movement at the beginning of the 20th century bread and roses. The words were written by the white American poet James Oppenheim. The music is by the white composer Caroline Colsat, who directed choirs in the Chicago area. And if you know the tune, sing along wherever you are.
with all the radiance that a sudden sun discloses for the people here us singing bread and roses bread and roses as we come marching marching we battle to for men for they are women's children and mother them again our lives shall not be sweated from the birth until life closes hearts starve as well as bodies give us bread but give us roses as we come marching marching unnumbered women dead go crying through our singing their ancient song of bread our art and love and beauty their drudging spirits new yes it is bread we fight for but we fight for roses too as we come marching marching we bring the greater days the rising of the women means the rising of the race no more the drudge and idler tend the toil where sharing of life's glories bread and roses bread and roses thank you so much dave now the time has come to extinguish the chalice let's say the words to extinguish the chalice and we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time we will paste the words in the zoom chat and again, we'll say them in unison. And Jonathan will be featured. We extinguish this flame, but, but not the light of truth, truth the warmth of community, or the fire of These we carry in our hearts, until we are together again. As we leave this community, I ask that you go in peace and go in hope. Go with the flame of truth in your heart. Go with the courage to act and the wisdom to rest whenever you need it. Go with the support of this community and the love that holds us all. Until we meet again, amen and blessed be.